using one too. Um, let's just do this, okay? philosophical. I just finished this book, The Midnight Library, and it's not a new book. Apparently it's been out for a while, but you know, it's new to me. One of my friends actually suggested that I read the book, and so I listened to it on Audible. And it kind of got, it starts a little dark. It does start a little dark in terms of like the character, the main character, Nora Sneed. She has this suicide attempt basically so if you are sensitive to you know the subject of like mental health or suicide or have suicidal ideation or thoughts um or even like situational depression things of that nature this book could be a little triggering for you but for me i just got so many gems from it and granted it is a fictional story in many many ways it is very relevant to life I've always been one to say that I feel like I've lived multiple lives and I do I still feel that way I feel like there are many different lifetimes I guess that we live in this one existence and some of those lives you get to choose some of those lives you don't necessarily but in every life you have a choice life is made up of a bunch of just choices like millions and millions and millions of decisions that you make on a regular basis and even when you're not conscious or aware of the type of decision that you're making, you're still making a decision. And as you become older and you become wiser and more spiritually conscious and things of that nature, then you can kind of start to develop what we know as regret. Now regret, I'm not sure how early you can feel experiences of regret. I don't know what age that begins at or if, it, if your sense of regret starts to deepen the older you get or the more experiences you have. But the more choices you make and the more experiences that you have and sometimes when the outcome isn't what you maybe hoped for it to be or planned for it to be or whatever the case may be, sometimes that can develop regret in us. I say this all the time. My life has been, number one, divinely guided and orchestrated by God. And I just think that there's a whole lot that goes into even that saying, right? I just really, I look back over the things that I've experienced and the life that I've lived and the different experiences that I've had. And I realize how it all kind of comes together and how it all kind of makes sense. Whether or not you believe in science or religion or spirituality or whatever, all of those things culminate and create the experiences that you have in this life or in the next life. And that right there even can be triggering for some people when they say, well, the next life, there ain't no next life. I know I grew up super religious, so I know that a lot of thought process, processes around like reincarnation or evolution or um, just a lot of philosophical thought or ideologies aren't widely accepted in the church per se, but you know, it is what it is. I have always been interested in philosophy and psychology. Hence, I studied psychology in school. I wasn't the like star student or anything, okay? I, as a matter of fact, was on academic probation way more than I would like to admit. But 
I remember the the subjects in school that I, that interested me. I always did well in so psychology being one of them. Uh, sociology was you know up there with it a little bit, but philosophy was one of my favorite courses to take in school, and I aced it. I would always get really great grades in my psychology and philosophy courses, almost to the point where I considered minoring in philosophy. But because of my upbringing and growing up in such a religious household, I just knew that me picking up that as a minor wouldn't have been accepted. And the older I get, the more it interests me, the more I read about it and study it and try to put things together and and have, have developed this, you know, ideology, I guess, of my own, that everything is interconnected. I am still very much a believer in Christ. For those of you who want to be like, oh, she ain't a Christian, no more. relax. I very much believe in you know the Bible and, and Christ, but I also just believe in just all the other philosophical uh, experiences and philosophers that lived and the theories that they developed. I believe in it. I believe it's all connected. So this book just really spoke to me, and maybe it's because of the life that I'm in right now is why it spoke to me. I, you know, as you all know, have been going through this like life upheaval for the past five months, since December. And even before December, I think too. Everything looks different and it does cause at times situational depression moments. I'm not a stranger to depression. I have definitely had my bouts of depression. I have, you know, been depressed and severely depressed at multiple periods throughout my life. But I, one thing I will say is that I, as depressed as I have been and maybe even low feelings or worthless feelings or hopeless feelings. One thing I have not, I guess, experienced or, or battled with are suicidal ideations. I've never considered taking my own life or ending my own life. Now, I have thought about before in my moments of despair or moments of low lowness, I have wondered what it would be like or who would be impacted or who would care if I no longer existed. And I'm only saying that because, you know, as my life has changed, I've never had any one person attached to me that I was necessarily responsible for or that like I was directly, uh, that I felt would be directly impacted by me no longer existing if that makes sense. I don't have any body, one person who I feel I should live for, if that makes any sense. I know a lot of people who suffer with suicidal ideation sometimes, maybe what saves them or is a saving grace for them is that they may have people who are depending on them or they may feel like, oh, I can't leave my kids behind or my spouse or my family or my best friend or whatever. And so they, they sort of find a will to live for these other people. And that sometimes can be a, a deciding factor. And then in other cases, it's not. Some people just don't see any hope beyond that. And even having those other people isn't enough for them to decide to, to live. It's an unfortunate thing. It's a sad thing. I've never had those thoughts, even though I don't have anyone per se to live for. I hope that makes sense. I really do. In my low moments, I have had many epiphanies. I have had many aha moments. I have had many moments where I've been able to go within and really understand or, or seek to understand like the meaning of the period of life that I'm in and what I can gain from it. 
And whether or not, you know, I, the ideas that I come up with or the theories that I, you know, create about my own life are true, they work for me. They end up pulling me out of the deepest, darkest, lowest moments of my life that I end up having sometimes. This book just really helped me to view not just life in a different way, but understand a lot of the experiences that I've had in a different way. And I just want to go through some of the quotes in the book that really struck me, some of the passages that really stood out to me and share them with you all. These are quotes from the Midnight Library by the author, his name is Matt Haig. Haig, I believe I'm saying that right. The only way to learn is to live. There's a lot that can be said more to be said about that statement itself but i think for me i've always wanted to find out what am i learning from this and i've shared this again on the v list and on my social medias i'm always looking for what is the lesson in this what can i learn from this be it a small lesson or a big lesson a life lesson or just an immediate lesson or something i need to know right in that moment i'm always seeking you know what was the lesson what did i learn what was the reason and even though sometimes a lot of lessons may seem unnecessary, you have to still be grateful for them because it's like, well, you're living. So as long as you're living, you're going to learn. But the only way to learn is to live. So in order for me to like not make certain decisions again, I would have had to have learned that via living. I feel like this quote could also help people who are feeling despair. Like, oh, well, you know, I just can't get it right. I can't do anything right. Nothing ever goes right. I just don't understand how to do things the right way or or I don't know what to do next. And so they feel like they want to end it. But to me, it I guess I would just ask the question, like, are you do you want to learn? Like, do you want to learn how to do those things? And if the answer is yes, then the only way to learn is to live. So you have to live and try all the multitudes of options or decisions that there are to make because there are, are several millions of decisions that you can make that can ultimately change the whole trajectory of your life. The other thing is a passage. What we consider to be the most successful route for us to take actually isn't. Because too often, our view of success is about some external bullshit idea of, of achievement. An Olympic medal, a good salary, the ideal husband, and we all have these metrics that we try and reach when really success isn't something you measure and life isn't a race that you can win. Success is a delusion. That stood out to me because of where I am currently. I had been having thoughts that my current life, the current existence that I have isn't successful. And I had to think of to myself, like, what does that even mean, Victoria? <laughs> what does that even mean? My life looks different than it looked six months ago? Yeah. Because I don't have the same job title, because I'm not making the same money, because I don't have, you know, I haven't materialized, like, a relationship that I want, or I haven't, you know, moved forward in a certain career path that I want, does that mean that I'm not successful overall? Like, should I just deem my whole life to be unsuccessful because of the current life I'm living? No, no, that it's not fair for me, for me to do that to myself. It's not fair for me to do that to God because or, ultimately God is the orchestrator of my life, but he's given me free will and choices. And the life that I've lived so far, I've had many successes, several successes. So for me to like 
not be appreciative of those or to demean those successes by saying that like, oh, I'm not currently successful or making myself feel like, like I have had moments where I felt like worthless. And I shared this a few episodes back when I was asking like, who am I? Me discovering who I am outside of all of those things, outside of my job title or outside of my, the money I make or the car I drive or whatever. None of those things exist anymore. So does that mean I am a failure or that I am not successful? No, because success is a delusion. It's something we think up. It's something we create. It's something we make up. I can say that I'm very successful because I'm still living every day. I can say I'm very successful because I'm able to achieve uh, a life of, of peace and ease, even though I don't have the means to necessarily do that anymore. Like again, what we create in our brains as success is just that something we've created in our brains and it's it's like these metrics that you know again we're trying to reach are are just they're non-existent so why do we put this type of pressure on ourselves mainly me talking to myself okay i'm preaching better than y'all amen and all right the second part to that is it's easy to imagine that there are easier paths but maybe there are no easy paths there are just paths there are patterns to life, rhythms. It is so easy while trapped in just the one life to imagine that times of sadness or tragedy or failure or fear are a result of that particular existence. That is a byproduct of living a certain way rather than just simply living. Maybe think about when I was living the life of a consultant, I was constantly trying to achieve and achieve and abound and reach the next level and, you know, be promoted. And, you know, I had a, initially had these goals of like, oh, I could go really far in this company. I could really go to the top, you know, and I'm trying to meet all these metrics and trying to make all of these moves. But I just kept feeling like a failure, kept feeling like I kept having these fears of, of, achieving because I didn't feel capable of doing certain work or doing the job that I wanted to do. I could easily blame those thoughts of failure on the fact that like I'm in this job and I don't belong here and maybe I just I need to go do something that I'm better at. Those thoughts of fear were associated with that existence. A byproduct of living a certain way. I was living in a life in a world that measured your success and measured your worth on the metrics that you were able to meet. Which is why a lot of people, like I don't blame a lot of people for who leave corporate and who, you know, leave their jobs and go and seek out like what brings them peace and pleasure in life. Because all those fears and feelings of failure and self-worth and doubt and all that stuff, they're attached to a certain existence. They're attached to a certain ideology of success when those things don't matter. The reason why you're feeling that way is because you're living a certain way. You're living in this way that, that makes you have to achieve or succeed or uh, compete instead of just living and being okay with the mistakes, being okay with the successes, being okay with the failures, being okay with the lessons. That, all those other fears and things are attached to an ideology. It's attached to a construct. Where do these fears come from? Imposter syndrome. That whole imposter syndrome only exists because people, it's attached to a certain way of living. That was a word. 
In the book, another quote is, sadness intrinsically is a part of happiness. One can't exist without the other. You hear a lot of people say, I just want to be happy. You know, I just want to be, I want to be happy. I don't want to be sad. But what I learned and what I understand is that you can't be happy without having been sad. You won't know what happiness means if you've never been sad. And even if you are happy all the time, when you become sad or something happens that makes you sad or that causes you to be sad, it's a part of being happy because you'll know what it feels like to be happy. You'll understand what happiness really means and you'll value the happiness when you understand what sadness is. It's duality. Like we live in a dual universe you can't have one without the other. Does that mean that you always have to be one or you always have to be the other? No, it's a part of balance. You're gonna have happy moments. You're gonna have sad moments. That's life. The other thing that really um, stood out to me because again, we're always seeking, for me, I had to stop this, always seeking what's next, what's next? What can I do next? Like I, I do like to, I feel like I have a bit of an adventurous spirit. I will try some things, but Instead of always seeking what's next, it's like really learning how to just be in the now and understand what's happening right now and appreciate the, these moments for what they are and understand that these moments are as fleeting as any other moment. Happiness, good moments, times of joy, excitement, those are all great, wonderful feelings, but they're fleeting. And that's what happened in the book. She kept living all these different lives. She would go to the, the Midnight Library and I don't want to give too much of the book away for those of you who want to read the book, but she was in this Midnight Library after her suicide attempt and she was presented with all these different books of, of her life. Each book contained a different version of her life and she was able to go and experience those lives for either a brief moment or for an extended moment. But either way, it was a culmination of decisions that she had made and was showing her like basically the different outcomes and possibilities but also like the pros and cons because in some lives she had her best friend was near her best friend was alive and in other lives her best friend was not there her parents were not alive and in other lives she was super successful and and very popular but she wasn't happy and in other lives you know she was living a life that her parents wanted her to live and she to make them proud but then she wasn't happy and then in another life when she finally got to the life that she felt like was perfect for her there was still something missing because she realized she hadn't really created that life. It was a life that society said was supposed to be good. She had money, she had success, she had a family, she had a husband and children, uh, a dog. She had no worries about money. All those things you know that people try to achieve. She kept telling herself, this is a good life, this is a good life. But she couldn't stay in that life because everything is fleeting, but also because moments happen and then they go away. Good life doesn't last, just like the bad life doesn't. This quote also stood out to me. You don't have to enjoy every aspect of each life to keep having the option of experiencing them. You just have to never give up on the idea that there could be a life somewhere that could be enjoyed. Equally, enjoying a life doesn't mean you stay in that life. You only stayed in a life forever if you can't imagine a better one. Wow. That one spoke to me because while she was in that life, she was experiencing the joys of that life. But she kept wondering like, but what else is there? There has to be something more. Is this it? 
Is this the perfect life or is it just a good life? Like what does perfect even mean? There's always more to be enjoyed. There's always more to be explored. There's always more to learn. There's always more to experience. Enjoying a life doesn't mean that you stay in that life. So all the reason why we're told to enjoy the moments, be in the moment because the moments are fleeting. You may not stay in that life. So when you're in that life and you're having great moments, enjoy those moments because the next moment may not be so great. But the hope in that, you just have to never give up on the idea that there could be a life somewhere that could be enjoyed. So if that moment was created and it was a joyful life, then you know that it's a possibility to live a joyful life. So you can create that life again or something even better. If you feel stuck, that you only stay in a life if you feel like there isn't a better one to be enjoyed. How many people get stuck like that? There are so many people who get stuck in their situations and I'm grateful that I, you know, I'm adventurous enough to, to not allow myself to get stuck for too long. Even though I have moments of where I'm feeling really stuck, I realize I can make a decision to, to move or to quit or to leave or to cut people out of my life or to invite or welcome new people into my life. All of those are decisions that I can do to create a life that I'm imagining to be better than the one I'm currently living. That's all you have to do, it's a decision. It's literally a decision. Finally, it is easy to mourn the lives we aren't living. Easy to wish we developed other talents, said yes to different roles. Easy to wish we'd worked harder, loved better, handled our finances more astutely, been more popular, stayed in the band, etc., etc. It takes no effort to miss the things that we didn't do. It's easy to regret. But it's not the lives we regret not living that are the real problem. It's the regret itself. That right there was enough. <laughs> that right there was enough said. The problem is the regret. Why are you regretting anything? If you haven't experienced, and I've said this before as well, that I don't necessarily have any regrets. Do I wish that things could have gone differently at points in time? Absolutely. And can I go back and change those decisions? No, not really. But I can recreate them or move forward and make better decisions or different decisions that will take me on the path that I want to go on. And even if I'm not consciously making that decision, the fact that I've at one point in time prayed for that thing to happen or willed that thing to happen in my life, it puts it into alignment with me and my energy to make those things happen so that I don't have to live in regret. I can say, man, I wish that this had done, gone differently, but do I regret it? No, because what, have, what did I learn? The only way for me to even have anything to learn from is to have lived those experiences. I'm not gonna live in the past. I can't go back and fix those things. I can only move forward and make different decisions because now I have the knowledge and the experience to understand what happens when I make certain decisions. Yeah, I, I really do try not to live with regret, but this quote stuck out to me. We don't have to do everything in order to be everything because we are already infinite. This quote really was a reminder to me that those feelings of worthiness and feeling like, you know, what do I have to offer or what does my life mean at this point? Because I feel like I always feel like I have to be doing something. I always feel like I have to be achieving something or working towards something and in order to feel worth or feel worthy 
uh, or valued. I do feel a lot of times that I'm infinite and that I have infinite possibilities and that I have infinite options. But the problem is I always feel like I have to be doing those things in order for it to be of value. But that's not true. Everything that I want, desire, need is already in me. I'm already infinite. I'm already everything. I don't have to do everything to be everything. So I know there's a lot of rambling and it may seem a little bit over your head, a little bit like, Lala, what are you talking about? But I really just feel like, mainly for me, the revelations that I've had are that I get to choose. I get to create. I am a co-creator of my life. I am not going to live with regrets because it doesn't do anything but keep me in low vibrational energy, keeps me sad, keeps me depressed. And that's not where I want to be. That's not even who I am. So I'm not going to live with regrets. I can take the lessons that I have gathered from the lives I lived so far and incorporate those lessons into my lives going forward so that I know how to shape the experiences. And even in those new experiences that I'm going to experience in life or in the different lives that I'm going to live, I am going to understand how to intrinsically just be in that moment and appreciative of that moment and embrace whatever it is, the, the sadness, the happiness, the emptiness, the fullness, embrace it for what it is in that moment because I understand that it can be fleeting. But the beautiful thing about having this understanding is that I know that I can continue to create experiences in new lives. It's just about being in that moment and embracing that moment for what it is, simply for what it is. That's what I took away from it. The best life for me is to just keep on living because the only way to learn is to live. I hope this helps somebody I hope it wasn't too deep and philosophical or too over your head. And I hope I made sense with some of the things that I was saying. If you have not checked out the book, The Midnight Library, check out The Midnight Library by Matt ha Haig. <laughs> also, while I'm promoting books, I'm not going to promote somebody else's book and not promote my own book. Hello. The V-List podcast presents the A to B journal, 22 Thoughts to Enhance Your Life. It is still available for purchase on Amazon.com barnesandnoble.com or my website thevlistpodcast.com I hope that um, this helps somebody <laughs> it certainly helped me anyway love you bye